Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are, because that means you can give us money. That's right, you can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Up there right now, we have some Thick Boy Season merchandise. We've got some Hus Hus shirts. And also, we've got some Corey Hammond-related merchandise coming soon. A Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond's t-shirt, hoodie, and a whole lot more. You can get all of them right now, sent to you nice, comfy, and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And also, you can find it in the show notes. Now back to that podcast you like. Welcome to the self-proclaimed second-best podcast of the A7FL. This is the other side of the ball, the podcast of the A7FL Nevada. I am the host of the show, Casey Cox, alongside me for the joyride tonight, my one and only co-host for the night, Double D Derek Duncan, the division owner and minor league football Hall of Famer. How are you doing tonight, Derek? Well, I am doing well, even though we're calling it tonight. It is four o'clock where I am. I am in the middle of a Hawaiian vacation and absolutely loving it. My wife sitting beside me, allowing me the grace to record this podcast and keep our fans and detractors entertained and give them some shit to talk about over the course of the next three to five days before the year ends and we roll into 2023 and put the bullshit from 22 behind us. How are you? Absolutely. Oh, I am. I am doing fantastic. I'm out here still in Louisiana. So it is actually nighttime where I'm at, even though it's, it's 8 PM. It is well, well after dark here. And so two opposite ends of the spectrum for us this evening. Um, but Things are starting to pick up out here for me and look better, so that's always good. Uh, looks like my year is going to start out decent. Um, I know tonight for this podcast, we we really want to break down and get into kind of a review of the A7FL Nevada, um, the year, basically recapping keys from the year, things we can grow on from the year, and just kind of uh, recap how the year's gone and look at going forward, look at what's going to happen in 2023 uh things to come and uh what kind of things we can look forward to for maybe even coming into the the professional season of 2023 so with that i say let's get this joyride on the road right on man so uh 2022 obviously was the kickoff and start of our involvement, mine and yours, with the A7FL. You didn't get involved much longer after I did and was talking to me, you know, near the beginning of what ended up being our very our very first or inaugural season as you and I were talking about potentially bringing you on to do a broadcast if we were going to have a broadcast. What the uh, viewers and listeners don't know is that uh, for an extended period of time, we weren't even sure if we were going to be on any platform to record at all. We had been given information going into the season that uh, it was likely going to be that we would be broadcasting every week. And so I started building our platform as if we were going to be broadcasting every week. And then once I got everything put together, the league said, hey, uh, that wasn't necessarily a requirement, just a goal. Uh, so whatever it is that you'd like 
to do with that, go ahead and do it. And then uh, we'll kind of keep an eye on what you got going on. And if we can connect with you and what you're recording and what you're putting out there, we will. So that put us in an interesting position where, you know, I had talked about bringing someone on board. And then once we realized that we could do our own broadcast on a YouTube channel and actually have good content and have something to put in the can, I decided to go ahead and pull trigger on hiring Mr. Casey Cox. And in doing so, you have become an integral part of A7FL Nevada and what we're doing. And now we're yeah. building what we're doing out here. So I just want to get from your take, you know, what, what did you see from the start? How was it uh, with that initial reach out, seeing the ad or however you stumbled on, upon us? I know you and I ended up talking early. But I don't even remember how you officially came to us until... We kind of brought right. you on board. Well, see, um, my year uh, for 2022 started out basically, I got tired of working for somebody else per se, um, feeling like I was owned by a big company, by a big corporation. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start my own internet radio business. I've always wanted to do internet radio. I kind of hate the way FM radio goes. Everybody thinks these FM DJs are make big money, make a lot of money. You know, they see these sales people that drive these nice Jaguars or BMWs or whatever. And oh, they all of a sudden, you know, the assumption is they have to make a lot of money. But what people don't realize is behind the scenes, that is deals being worked with the dealerships to get them that car for six months or for six weeks or whatever. There's really like they, they work a job outside of the radio job that they work. Nobody really does radio because they make money at it. They do radio because they love to do it. And I got tired of being paid pennies of what I thought my value was and said, I'm going to start my own thing. So in January, after getting done selling fireworks and having some money left over, I took some of that money and I filed a doing business as license on my business name and started just kind of searching the internet for different internet radio platforms I could start on. Um, different things I might be able to get into sports-wise to broadcast. And somehow an ad for A7FL Nevada popped up on my Facebook page. And I read it and you were looking for production and you were looking for media. And I was like, well, I'm not really production. I'm just, I'm just a broadcaster. So I don't think this is what he's looking for. I'm just, I'm going to hold off on it. You know, I'm still trying really to get into high school. My, my thought at that time was high school and college level sports more than anything, because that's what I had done for 10 years. And that's where my expertise really lied. And so with that, I was like, well, I'm just going to pass on that for now. And I let it I let it go. And it wasn't even a week later. I saw it again and I read it and I read it again and deeper into it. And I went, man, this really sounds interesting. And so I looked it up and I started watching a little bit of the videos that I could find on what it was. And I was like, man, this is really interesting. And I saw it about a week and a half later pop up. And I went, you know what? This is the third time in like two weeks that I've seen this pop up. So I'm going to reach out. I said, what the hell? The, the worst that can happen is they say no. And if I don't reach out, they're never going to say yes. So yeah, I reached out. You miss every shot you don't take, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I reached out to you and said, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I've done. Um, you know, I can get I a sample together said, for you. 
I think you actually said, hey, uh, I don't do all of this stuff you talked about, but I do do play-by-play. So if you end up with a production company and they don't have their own play-by-play guy, bring me on and I can do the play-by-play for you. And it was brilliant on your part because I stumbled onto Mel after doing, you know, like I, I got six different people that promised me proposals and only like two came across my desk and Mel was one of them and he didn't have play-by-play. And of course, that has worked out well for you and me because I brought Mel on board and he's been fantastic. He's now our technical director for everything we're doing, a 7FL broadcast related. And then I brought you on for play-by-play and yours and Mel's relationship has developed where he's hired you for other stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, so we've, yeah, we, I mean, we even, we have partnered our business together since, since that relationship and the meeting by you introducing us. Um, so that we can do because we both realized you know he does the video I do the I do audio stuff so it just made sense to combine the two businesses and partner them together um, so that we can do you know even bigger things together um, well that's a nice and, that's a nice recap of how we all came together and then uh, did you want to did you need to add some more to that I'm sorry I felt like I just cut you off oh, oh no not not really I mean I just it, it it was just by I mean I say I always say by the grace of God I, I finally went, you know what? I'm tired of doubting myself. I'm just going to bet on myself. And I did it. And at first it was, from you, it was a pretty consistent, nah, nah, not yet, not yet. And then it was like four days before a game, you were like, hey, game Sunday, can you be here? It's Wednesday. And I went, um, yeah, I can do it. Let's do it. And I yeah, drove I'm out glad you did because I would have been on an island Oklahoma. by myself had you not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. So, so so I drove I drove out from from Oklahoma at that point I was living in Oklahoma I drove from Oklahoma to Vegas with my pregnant wife and two kids yeah and it was great meeting you and my family fell in love with you and I'm glad to have you with us buddy so thank you for making us who we are today and helping us finish this you know to finish what we started and put something together that was worthwhile to a point where people want us on TV now so Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I love it. It's been, it's been a ride and it, I've enjoyed every bit of it. And I mean, I only look forward to seeing where this thing goes from here. Well, and that brings me to the next phase of what happened with us. Obviously we did seven weeks of broadcast together on the days where we actually had games in Las Vegas. There were, I think two weeks throughout the season where uh, all the games were in LA. So we didn't have responsibility in Vegas. Uh, right. But outside of that, we were, we were together every week except for our down weeks. And then that rolled us into the uh, postseason where, you know, the guys who do the three on one podcast and the game of the week broadcast were responsible for those games. We got to kind of just sit back, relax and see how the professionals who have run the league for a while saw, saw it. And from there, uh, you know, figured out what we were going to do for the following season and started saying, hey, you know, we should do a podcast. And I suggested one to the league and found out that they already had one planned. And that podcast ended up being the three-on-one podcast that Matt Ryan, Corey Hammond, and Big Rob Fabian are doing every Tuesday and then sharing uh, on Wednesday, hopefully in time for us to get a listen before we – let me stop there. So they were doing their podcast every Tuesday and 
after the first couple episodes, I kind of looked at Casey and said, hey, bud, uh, we had this podcast idea and these guys are decided they were going to do it. And it doesn't seem like much of the conversation is going to be about Vegas and the West Coast. I think we should do our own. And you said, hell yeah. <laughs> Here of we course, are. being the radio guy I am, I went, fuck yeah, let's do it. Why haven't we been doing this already? Right. And, and here we are now, 16 episodes in, and turning into the new year with what is been a, a really fun experience for me and a great way to work out, you know, all of our mental stuff, all of our oral stuff, and get prepared to do a better broadcast. So when I end up in an opportunity like, Fox Five bringing me on their more their more show, and they start asking me questions. It's things that I've talked about a thousand times already because we're doing these podcasts and having this conversation. Right. So my thoughts are my thoughts are already developed, and I'm sharp on this thing. So it's easy for me to deliver anytime somebody talks about it. So it's been a blessing for me to have the podcast and have you riding shotgun with me and getting everything tuned up the way I need to, so I can talk about it properly when the right people ask the right questions. Absolutely, and. So year in review for the podcast, that's kind of how things went. And we did actually discover that throughout uh, the year, there's two other podcasts being done besides the three-on-one and our other side of the ball podcast. There's a podcast out of Florida, uh, Woody Ness Charles and Jody Bate doing uh, what they call the parlay, which is specific to Florida not a A7FL sanctioned podcast like ours in the three-on-one. And then last week, uh, Vegas decided to jump on board. And now we've got uh, a new podcast coming out of Vegas called Our Story with uh, Mason our Cantaloni. Tra- our, our View, that's right. I'm sorry. I said Our Story. I'm in, I'm in uh, Hawaii, so everything is talk story out here. So I'm a little confused. <laughs> uh, but uh, so with uh, Mason... Trey Robinson and uh, Daniel Packer will be the three hosts for that podcast. So uh, our our hope is tonight, uh, later this evening, that that those gentlemen will be able to jump on with us and we can talk about what they're bringing to the A7FL and their view on how things are going uh, from a Vegas perspective, which uh, they did their first episode last week. I had a chance to listen in and I found it very interesting, a little edgier than ours, which... I can appreciate at times, but at the same time, isn't exactly what I hope for as we're trying to build this, you know, Vegas versus everybody uh, scenario and situation and the love that we're sharing between all of us when it really gets down to it, when it comes to the players, sometimes it's not all love. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, they, yeah. So if they get an opportunity to come on with us tonight, I'd like to uh, kind of drill down on what it is for them and, why things are so contentious out there in Vegas in the football world uh, and, and see what that looks like. But I uh, can't wait for those guys to jump on, but that's later in the show. So back to the year in review. Uh, so we'll rewind back to our first opportunity to see football in Las Vegas, uh, A7 style, which was our spring jamboree. I don't believe that you were in the building for that were you Casey no I was not I actually didn't come on I don't believe until week two or week three of the actual spring season so 
Well, that's an interesting thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be out on a limb on my own talking about Jamboree in the first couple of weeks. So uh, obviously we just did another Jamboree here this last uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago with the kickoff of our fall season. And I think we're going to keep that as a Vegas tradition moving forward. And I think it was so well received and well liked by other folks that were involved with the ASMNFL that uh, some of these other divisions are talking about doing a jamboree. I know that they spoke about it on the Parlay podcast uh, out in Florida that they really liked what they saw and think that they could benefit from having that type of activity. So for those of you who didn't see that on uh, TV and haven't been involved with the jamboree, it's not a, a new idea. It's something that Vegas does uh, for high school football at the beginning of every season, which is how I came up with the idea for myself. And that is get every team on the field, get everybody scheduled and have everybody play each other for a couple series so they can see what they look like, so they can see what their competition looks like, and then go back to the drawing board in a couple of weeks before the season actually kicks off. So in Vegas, it is uh, week zero, and it is the preseason game before the, uh, the actual season kicks off the, the following week. At least that's what it was when I was playing. Uh, with us, we did it uh, as our week zero as well for the fall. But in the spring, we did it four weeks before the actual season kickoff as, as a way to uh, bring interest to the league and get people understanding that, you know, our, our brand of football isn't something that's so crazy that they couldn't play. You know, we're marketing to flag players. We're marketing to semi-pro players. We're marketing to guys that are just finishing high school football, marketing to guys who are just finishing uh, their second year JUCO, marketing the guys who are just finishing their, you know, their four-year career in college and didn't have an opportunity to keep playing. That's, a, that's our audience right now as far as players are concerned. Getting these guys film, getting them looks, getting them opportunities, and building our platform around th those athletes. So uh, Jamboree in the spring was uh, a very – I will say a low attended. We have probably had 40 players on the field, but with those 40 players, we had a few spectators. And one of those spectators was the quarterback of our eventual division champion, Rock Briscoe of the force. Rock came out, said that he'd been looking for the A7NFL for about two years now. He had already known who the league was, but didn't know any of the players that were involved. And uh, I had a chance to chop it up with him on the sideline. That day, the force only had like four players who, that were registered for them, but the pit bosses and insomniacs at the time were, were, you know, the only three teams we had so far were, you know, building teams of 12, 16 guys. So uh, the insomniacs had more. We let the insomniacs run against the combined team of the pit bosses and force and just ran it as the pit bosses because they had more guys and every put on, everybody put on green jerseys. Worked out well. Uh, pit bosses obviously were able to keep developing and develop a squad. The Insomniacs had the biggest squad at the time, but what we didn't know was that Rock uh, was toting about 10 other guys and guys who were ready to just strap it on and immediately start playing for the force. So the force came out in full force and then dominated the Vegas division. Uh, didn't lose to anybody in Vegas, ended up losing to the Santa Monica, oh no, sorry, to the LA Aces uh, out in LA for the one time they played. And then uh, in the championship game, excuse me, let me rewind. Final four was uh, the Vibe versus the Pit Bosses and the Aces versus uh, 
sorry, five versus Force and Pit Bosses versus the Aces. Aces beat the Pit Bosses, Force beat the Vibe, and then the uh, Force beat the Vibe in Vegas, Aces beat the Pit Bosses in LA, and then the Force, because of the matching records of the Force and Aces, had to travel to LA to play in a division championship down at Chittick Field, which was a fun game. Uh, unfortunately, because it was in LA, we didn't get to call it, which would have been a ton of fun for me and you, Casey. But uh, we ended up just being on the sideline, operating as you know player personnel assistant that day because you know I'm representing Vegas as much as I can, and then uh, was actually able to help the referee staff kind of sort through some of the rules and some challenges that were happening on the field, and help the force uh, put the aces on their back and. Uh, win that game. I believe the final was 18 to 13 and the force had the ball after stopping them on a goal goal line stance with about two and a half minutes left on the clock and were able to run it out and win that game uh, 18 to 13 and go on to the to the playoffs, which we know what happened there. But that is how the spring season and Jamboree went in Las Vegas for our inaugural season, which the pit bosses uh, are returning now for the fall. After going, I believe it was three and three in the regular season, maybe three and four in the regular season, they're back in the fall looking like the dominant uh, franchise of fall brawl and talking a lot of smack about the force who are not playing in fall brawl on every platform you could possibly imagine. I don't know, Casey, if you're kind of watching this all go down, but social media, there's been. been a ton of conversation. Okay, good. So I think we'll save some of Facebook, the commentary. I have been, so. Right. I think we'll save some of that uh, commentary response for later on in the show if these guys make it on in roughly 38 minutes and keep with our recap for now and get into some of the other things that we have scheduled for tonight. Uh, so week two or three, you said you popped in and you got an opportunity to see live for the very first time from our perch at Canyon Springs High School, Hunky Cooper Stadium. The, it, let me just say, I love that we played at Canyon Springs at Hunky Cooper Stadium because Hunky Cooper is probably the most popular non-NFL football player in Las Vegas that did not make it to the NFL at any time that I, that I can recall. So Hunky actually played, I believe, his entire career in the Arena Football League with the Arizona Rattlers. But he was a Vegas legend and, you know, put up tons of stats. But for whatever reason, never made it to never, you know, climbed that whole mountain, but uh, to the NFL, but still made a good career for himself to the point where Canyon Springs named their field after him. So, Casey, I'd love to get it from your perspective, stepping in week two or three, whatever that was, to call your very first a7 game i'll tell you the pre the preparation going into it was kind of was hectic because like i said it was it was a four-day notice you went hey can you be here the game's on sunday and i believe it was wednesday when you had hit me up and i was like yeah as long as we can make this work i can i can do it and we worked out a few logistic issues and made it happen um so then i went automatically into you know, I was I was in this gear of I may end up still being calling high school football like I had been. I wasn't even really looking at calling football until August or September, which was my normal. And then 
all of a sudden I had to kick into this gear of, okay, now it's time to call football. Well, I knew it was seven on seven, so I knew it was going to be different, but I didn't quite realize how different it was going to be until I actually got there, got set up, and saw the game actually go into motion. And, and my mind went into calling football and went, the quarterback takes the snap, and then we took our first break, and I went, that wording doesn't sound right. He's not taking the snap. What in the hell do I do here? What do I say? The quarterback puts the play in motion. Like, so I started going through these phrases in my head that would make more sense because there's no snap in the A7FL. And then there's no punt. There's no kick. It's a throw off. So I had to like, instead of, and there's the kickoff. And that's the, I think that was the first time that came out of my mouth was there's the kickoff. And I went, shit, there's the throw off. Like, I mean, it was just the change of the game. It, it caught my broadcasting knowledge and skill off guard a little bit. But then once I adjusted to it and I saw what it was, I was like, this is backyard football. This is what we played growing up in elementary school. This is, this is why people are going to love this. And it's really what drew me into it. it it's the seeing the emotion of the players with no helmets, um, hearing the impact of the hits without the pads like it's not pad versus pad hitting and all you're hearing is the crunching of the pad you're actually hearing bodies crunching against each other and going "Ooh, that had to hurt yeah that body on body sound is not something you hear very frequently and i don't know another sport that i watch on the regular that american fans watch on the regular that you really hear that body-on-body -body impact and are, and are ready for it. You, you get it a little bit in basketball. You get it a little bit in our version of, of football, which is soccer, but right. never with the level of intention of trying to actually body a man down by, by brute force. Maybe a little bit in the UFC, but how often do, do you get that unless someone's going for a, a double leg takedown, right? And even then, not both guys are coming at each other with full force the way they do in, in our sport. So it's a very unique uh, thing and very interesting to watch. And then when you hear that sound over the airwaves, it's a very, very different sound that you don't hear anywhere else. And I, sometimes I, I feel my own teeth chatter and I get yeah. that little feeling in my, in, in my nether region that says, ooh, that had to hurt. And I don't think I want to be that guy. But these guys yeah. pop right back up, like, like take that, here we go, yeah. and I love it. These guys are straight up gladiators, man, and it's a joy to watch them perform. It's a joy to watch them play for the love of the game because the majority of these guys aren't getting paid. There, there's a couple, few guys that are spread out the A7FL that might be getting, you know, a couple, you know, let's say a couple hundred bucks for an entire season, if that. Uh, but most right. of these guys are playing for the love of the game and for the opportunity to ultimately get paid if we ever find ourselves that, you know, broadcast partner or sponsor that is willing to kick down the type of uh, uh, support that we would need to make our, to get our league to the very next level where we can call ourselves full on pro sports where we're not being relegated to the semi-pro uh, situation. So, uh, so Casey, back to your original uh, introduction to the A7FL and your calls with, you know, aside from the nuances of getting the phrasing right, because there were no kickoffs, there were no snaps, there were no helmets, there were no pads, and you couldn't use, you know, chin strap or, or, or the other things that a broadcaster typically defaults to. Like, 
this guy's gonna need to buckle his chin strap well okay well that won't happen in this league so we need to come up with yeah. something else to say right, right. I've, I've made right. that mistake at least two times and I, I, but the the play and the style and approach for me is very much still traditional american football like even oh, yes. though there are no pads and no helmets and even though the uh the terminology is different because of the things we've taken out of the game the strategies all still remain the same about 90 percent. what i see as the difference is line play and running back play. right that the skill positions on the outside football is football, right? If you can get the right. edge or if you can set, if you can get the edge or you can set the edge, you can either stop the run or you can run the ball. Absolutely. And this level of play with this body on body, if you've got a absolutely stellar low center of gravity running back, it's hard no matter who you are to stop a guy coming up the middle if you don't have a couple people trying to bring him down before he picks up five to seven yards. And then you got guys like Anthony Wilkerson, who we nickname on our very first broadcast together, the RTC, based on Las Vegas's bus system, because he was dragging people. Every time he touched the ball, he was taking 20 people with him. That's why we gave him that name. Probably the most fitting nickname in Vegas, I would say. So far, absolutely. And they're. And as Corey Hammond, our one of our favorite broadcast partners, uh, will say is, when you give yourself a nickname, it, it means something. But when a broadcaster actually gives you a nickname because of your play on the field, it means so much more. And I believe what, that's why RTC's nickname is so strong and why it stayed with all of us so well, because we gave it to him based on his play, not because he stepped, he came into the league and said, hey, my name is, you know, RTC or <laughs> like like our boy, uh, oh man, like one of the guys on the force, baby head honcho. No, nobody wants to actually call him that because there's nothing about the on-field play that makes you think that he's a head honcho or a baby head honcho, right? So, right. But as broadcasters, it's been a ton of fun. And let me just say that this has been the first time I've ever really actually had an opportunity to be on radio, on TV, doing play-by-play, carrying or supporting a show in this regard. Mostly I've just been interviewed for various things that aren't sports related. So being able to do this for myself has really opened up my uh, my concepts of how to look at a game, you know, really watching a game differently, more so for having something to talk about instead of just watching for strategy. So now that I do both, it's kind of an interesting thing for me. I, I'm curious if anything's changed for you in that regard. Um. Well, I will say, I mean, and it's interesting you brought up, you know, you really never done the broadcasting game, never done the, the radio thing before this, you know, me and you had talked and you were like, yeah, just, you know, just you just play by play. That's all I need right now. We'll figure out the color commentary when we need to, you know, we can have a player who's not playing to it. They can keep stats and that can be, I mean, that's basically what on radio would have color commentator is anyway. That was a 30 yard pad, whatever, you know, he throws in the statistical shit. Um, and that's just what he does. And then I got there and I got set up and you went, well, it's me and you. And I went, okay. And you said, yep. And I've never done radio. Before, so this is going to be fun. I said, yeah, it'll be all right. And after the first game, I think we stood up and we should I now see why you want to do this for a living because I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was a lot of fun and i i am super happy that i accidentally ended up getting involved and helped out with it because you know people have told me all my life you've got a great voice for radio you should do announcing i've had a couple opportunities to do public announce gigs and have emceed and you know done a few events like that where you know i can use my speaking voice but never to the tune where i'm speaking for over the course of nine hours trying to put you know keep people entertained for that amount of time it's a i'm not saying it's hard it's not digging a ditch don't get me wrong but the the Mm -hmm. mental the mental preparation that goes into it and making sure that you can think as fast as you can talk on a regular basis and have something interesting to talk about for nine hours straight it, it's there's a lot that goes into it and i don't know and i i have a new appreciation for everyone who does this and i am super happy to be part of this thing now and being offered opportunities to do this based on what i've been doing for a7fl so you know it's furthering my career and in, in broadcast as well i never thought i'd be going down this path but here we go so and with that go ahead sorry oh no go ahead uh, so so with that i wanted to get into the uh gameplay for for the season so we had the insomniacs who i put out as my preseason favorite to win the division the pit bosses and who i wasn't sure about but they had uh, a d1 quarterback that was coming in to play for them who I had a ton of respect for who at the time held every rushing record for every for for Las Vegas sports Uh, and then uh, one of their slot receivers a former NFL guy and uh, I was thinking man between those two teams they should dominate and then but I was thinking okay the force because they had my coaching my old coaching staff but the Insomniacs also had my old coaching staff uh, so the Insomniacs were led by Donnie Bunak. God, God rest his soul. May he rest in peace. The guy who helped me get back into football. He decided to take the Insomniacs head coaching role. And then Troy Shepard took the uh, face, uh, sorry, Facebook, the force uh, GM role. And then Big Mac, who was my D coordinator when I played for the Lions, took the head coaching role for the force. I would, and because they started late, I didn't put a lot of stock into what they'd be able to do. You know, the pit bosses had a decent roster and had the majority of the guys that came to the league through uh, through league registration. The Insomniacs had most of Donnie's guys who he had been, you know, coaching for various things for a while. And I had no idea what the force had except for Rock Briscoe. So I basically said, all right, I predict the Insomniacs will go first, pit bosses second, force third. I was right on one of those. I had it completely backwards. <laughs> Force ended up dominating with only one loss in, in, on out west, and and didn't lose again until they ended, eventually lost to the A7FL eventual champion, the BIC, who went undefeated through the season. And the Insomniacs didn't win a single game. So, <laughs> when it comes to predictions, I don't know that uh, Derek Duncan's the guy you want to follow moving forward. Uh, but it was a great season, and. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, I believe we've got uh, my man Chris Vera knocking out the door. Let me see what's going on here. Uh, nope, I was wrong. Got to make sure I keep our participant uh, invitation list up, Casey. So when people do come a knocking, that we don't miss them. So apologize right. for that little housekeeping. Uh, but uh, back to the conversation. So uh, 
the gameplay was fantastic. I really thought the Insomniacs, every time they stepped on the field, really had an, a real good opportunity because they had all those players, all that talent. But for whatever reason, it just never came together for them. Uh, every time, you know, so they had uh, Elijah Goodlow as their starting quarterback, who everyone was calling Little Cup, which is a great nickname because he won the uh, one-on-one receiving competition that we did starting out the season and had some very Cooper Cup-like catches and was a very Cooper Cup-looking guy and ended up actually being their quarterback for the majority of their games and not the receiver. But when he went in that receiver, he was an absolute, absolute juggernaut. But uh, at quarterback, was just okay. And unfortunately, on the majority of the good big plays he had, they ended with a fumble for some reason. Like the guy lost more balls than he then then he got touchdowns on the season, which was a very, very weird situation. It was like he would never give up on a play, which we all love, but he would keep going so long that someone ripped the ball from him, which we all hate. And that was the insomniac story, right? They had everything going their way, but something just wasn't right at the end, and they ended up losing or losing the ball at the end at the end every time. Right. Yeah. And that was that was weird to me too, because they seemed every week to be a strong team to seem like they were pretty well prepared, you know, to seem like they had it going, whether coach Donnie was there or wasn't there because of his health issues that he was having or whatnot. He, they, as a team still seemed to have it for the most part together. And then they came out on the field and for whatever reason, it didn't come together. It fell apart. Yeah. And like I said, even when it was coming together and things were going well, something way out of left field would just put them on their heels again and they could never recover. So it, it reminds me of my beloved Detroit Lions go at the start of the season, like had all the talent in the world, but just kept either doing stupid stuff or the ball just bounced the wrong way for them. They ended up losing a game that they were dominating in or that they were very competitive in just because of a bad call, bad decision or, or bad ball bounce. And that seems like that's what was happening with the Insomniacs. And yeah, before and we move on, it will be happening with the insomniacs, unfortunately. Well, yeah. So, I, to, if, to step on that a little bit, I've not seen them look competitive yet this fall. Uh, but certainly, that's what happened with them in the offseason going into the fall. They had what looked like was going to be the best team on paper, and a lot of conversation about them going into the fall with some guys moving up from Florida that were going to anchor their team, and then through some Facebook conversation and some drama and some weird back and forth after uh, Coach Bunak passed away, they ended up cutting the primary guy that was the anchor of their team and then lost the majority of their team members only to rebound and fill the squad back up with a bunch of names that we hadn't heard before and are now rebuilding this fall to hopefully, you know, see if they can get into our fall playoff or, at bare minimum, get themselves in a position where they feel like they can compete for the spring. That's all we're looking for is making sure they get in a position so they can compete for the spring. But you know, think things could change on the on the on the on a dime here in the A7FL, and they could come out next week and have practice. Not excuse me, next week, week after next, and have practiced enough over this three week break where they've put some things together and understand what they're doing as a squad. Uh, behind the scenes, uh, Coach John Woods, who's their defensive coordinator has been uh, assisting on the offensive side of the ball as Coach Q had to do some vacation stuff. And I think they've implemented some things that on the offensive side of the ball, it got some cohesiveness going on both sides of the ball now that 
might surprise some people when they come back. So we'll see what that looks like. And I got some good news, Casey. What is that? We George, got somebody on board with us. Yeah, our, our third co-host, the commish, Mr. Chris Vera, has graced us with his presence from Utah. So now we've got you in Louisiana, me in Hawaii, and Chris Vera in Utah. And now coming on the line here shortly is Daniel Packer, who will be the first person in our group who's actually on the, the podcast from Las Vegas. And there Welcome he is. Chris. So. And Chris has got us on mute, so I don't even know if he's ready to chat. But Packer's in the building. How you doing, Packer? Well, I don't think Packer can hear us either. So we'll keep going uh, with ours. And... Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, I was putting my earbuds in. My bad. Can Welcome you hear me at all? Show, my man. Chris, we well, can hear you now, bud. Welcome to the show. Sweet. Thank you. Sorry about that. I'm glad to be here, finally. Yeah, we were fashionably late. And then we're a podcast, and we can have people pop in anytime and pop out just like you hear when the guys on ESPN do it. So it's all good. good. Welcome to the show. Better late than never. So, right. <laughs> also true. So, uh, Packer, welcome to the show. We were just uh, about to start recapping the pit bosses and how their spring season that you weren't attached to went. We had just finished talking about the Insomniacs and how things never seemed to go their way, which is the team that you actually spent some time on last season. So let me just break it down for you real quick, what we just talked about. Uh, Our overall take was that the Insomniacs seemed to have the best roster compilation of last season, but like the Detroit Lions that I love dearly, they just couldn't seem to get over the hump. Like they had competitive games and were running the ball or doing well. And then when it got time to the end of the game, just the ball didn't bounce their way, bad call here, bad decision there. And they ended up losing every single game last season, including the one you played in with a freak injury while you stepped in at quarterback and had the best quarterback play they had, they had enjoyed all season. It's like every single time things started going well, something weird and not just not just a fumble or interception, something weird like you going down to the ground and trying to brace yourself in your hands and break your collarbone happens like (laughs) things just did not go their way last season. So from your perspective, for the limited time you got to be with them, what what do you think the issue was there? Uh, Honestly. No disrespect to Donnie recipes, but nobody bought in. Like, that's really what it was. Like, the quarterback that we did have that was supposed to be the guy, he wasn't ever there because he was actually hurt, if I'm not mistaken. And then we had another cat come in, the QB. That's why I took over because he couldn't get the job done. Like, nobody wanted to buy into the system. And all they had to do was listen to Donnie, man. Like, that's really all it was. And then so we had Donnie, a bunch of huh? I'm sorry. So you were saying Donnie was saying the right stuff, but the guys weren't listening. Right. Like you had okay. maybe a handful of guys that actually listened to what Donnie had to say, including myself, uh, my brother Kevin Dixon, and a couple other guys on the team. But it just didn't work out, man. And then we didn't have any size on that team at all. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I was one of the biggest guys on the team. Well, besides Ramsey's and Chris, obviously, those dudes yeah, got all the size of the world. 
Like, and I'm not taking no knock at them, but they still small to me compared to the other linemen I've seen in this league. You know oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not Charlie Siva, right? <laughs> they're, uh, they're not rolling. I love, I love Charlie, bro. That's my guy. I'm trying to get him to come over here for the spring. You know, we don't really care about the fourth no more. Like, they team has depleted. So, trying to get all the guys that I actually ball with and get them to come play with us. Like, right, I'm going to keep real, bro. Me coming to the pit box was probably the best decision I made. Like, Marley is a, a real coach, man. And that's what we, the other teams in our league out here in Vegas, is missing. The Force don't have a coach. The the Hunters don't have a coach. OTT, they got my boy over there, Tyrone, but I don't see that working ever. It's just, it's lack of coaching, man. Like, guys so, not getting prepared the right way. So, you said the Force doesn't have coaching. I, I have to personally take issue with that, only because I played under Coach Mack, and saw him operate the defensive side of the ball while I was on the offensive side of the ball. And there was a ton of coaching being done by Coach yeah, Mack. Are you, are, you hearing, are you hearing differently? I've played against him and tackle all that. Like, bro's not no coach. He's a strength and conditioning guy. And I, I can't knock him on that. Like, he do his thing with that. But I've never lost to Mack, bro. I never will. Okay. Like, going back to when he was with the Lions, the Vegas Lions team out here. Like, yes, sir. I moved, to, I moved to Arizona for a little bit. And I actually played on a team out there just so I could come back to Vegas and be one of the first players in Vegas to play against the Lions. Like, I, I don't I don't. How'd that go? We won. Okay. My, that wasn't the season I was involved in. We went undefeated <laughs> that year. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I know when the Lions was there, we, we beat them. Right uh, on. I came out, I played with the, the, what was it, the Arizona Eagles or something like that. I can't even remember. I literally played one game with them just so I can come back to Vegas and beat on these dudes. All right. Well, so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We said we were going to get into that for the last part of the show when uh, Trey and Mason might be available. So, Let's stick with the recap and, and stick with what you saw out of the Insomniacs. So we're talking about, we're doing the year in review for okay. the A7FL Vegas. It's our last show that we ever get to do in 2022. So we decided to make this a recap show and a year in review. And we basically talked about the Insomniacs, what they weren't able to do well. We're about to talk about the pit bosses and how things went for them. But since now we've got you on the show and you just talked about the force, I'd like to hear from your perspective, because you just said you don't think Max that great of a coach. Why do you think with that happening against Coach Bartley, who you said is real coach and real coaching, why the pit bosses weren't able to achieve what the force were able to achieve last season? Uh, the force was fact. Think about it, bro. They had all the, the, everybody that's. Anybody in football in Vegas was on that team that was still relevant at that time. So well, that's like, not it true. That, that's not true. That everybody that was on the pit bosses is still returning to the pit bosses and is falling out this season. Because we added some guys. Like that was their problem. They never fielded a, a full roster at the game. Like if you think about it, when we played them and I got hurt, pit bosses had what eight guys on the field or on the sideline. They didn't have no full roster. Hey, you know what, Pac? I got to disagree with you. 
Not all the great talent was on that team. Not all that great talent was on that great team. You weren't on there. I wasn't going to play with them either. Yeah, so neither neither was Trey, neither neither was Nasworthy, neither was Jay Steen. I mean, there's some, like, neither I was Rob Burns. I play on a juggernaut team like that. Like, granted, I've done it in a semi-pro, playing with uh, the Blackhawks and the Trojans, but that was only because all my family was with them teams. Like, just like when I went to the Inglewood to play, I went with my family. So I didn't really have too many guys over there that I called family. Like, Rock, that's my guy. I love him to death. Anthony, I call him Baby Motor because, you know, that's my little brother. Man, like, that's really about where it stands. And then, you know, I fuck with uh, Pat. I'm going to call him Curtis. You're not taking my name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Curtis. And then, you know, who else do they have? Uh, my boy Tone that played with us. Charlie, I played with him. Like, they had a great team, bro. Like, I can't knock that. Like, Mac didn't have to coach them. That's the thing. Like, he didn't have to coach them. Them dudes just went out and played ball like they've been playing. So now you guys have two or three guys that played for the force last season. We got and two. You, you, we got Curtis and Tone. All right, we're gonna make like that. We got Curtis and Tone. Okay, okay right. There was a, there was a third that was talking about coming that never showed up. You're right. So Curtis and Tone. Now I understand that Tone is already converted. He's going to be a, a pit boss next pit season. Boss. He's been released by the force. I don't believe Man, that bro, that's the case with. I don't believe that's the case with Curtis. He's he said very plainly that he's playing with the pit bosses in the fall, but intends to go back to the force for the spring unless you've got new information that that hasn't changed. He said it on our air. He said it on the three on one broadcast. But again, uh, we're we're talking we're talking year in review, so we'll we'll get uh, into the spring of twenty twenty three and the the fall <laughs> the fall final in a minute. So, but to talk about the force, they had. Who you called yourself some of the best players in Las Vegas all in their squad. And you said leading up to that, that you were making some phone calls and trying to bring some of those guys over to the pit bosses. But you guys, as a pit bosses, already have kind of all, might be at the roster max for the spring. How's that going to work? Um, honestly, bro, motherfuckers going to have to make our team. Like, Coach Barley, one thing I do love and respect about him. He's not just giving spots away. Like, you're going to work for your spot. So, if you get beat out by a guy, that's on you. Like, that's all I can say about that. Like, all right. So, so, looking at the pit bosses' constructed roster of 2022, it was 12 to 13 guys. They keep saying eight or nine, but there was 12 to 13 guys. And, you know, maybe sometimes six would show up to a game and then three or four would, you know, show up right. towards, the, towards the middle of the first quarter. And I, I hear Coach Bartley and Trey and other people talk about how that, you know, we weren't successful because we weren't as stacked or only had so many guys showing up. Right. What do you think is the difference going into the spring? I'm sorry, in the fall versus the spring we just had, why guys are actually showing up for Bartley now when they weren't before? Yeah, preparation. Like, we bought into his program because, you know, the way he actually holds himself and he, like, treats his team. Like, y'all see Barley yelling at us on the sideline, right? That ain't how Barley is with us. Bro, Barley, he just he's passionate about what he do. 
So it's like when you got a coach like that, you're going to go to war for Like, I can't play for a coach that ain't going to get in my ass if I fuck up. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I need I need a coach like that. So I, if everybody on the same mind, or mind frame as me, that's why everybody is bought in. Like, dudes actually trust Marley, and they trust him to help us get to the next level of this league. All right, so I'm going to go on record and say that I think that the difference between this fall and the spring was not that people bought into Bartley's system, is that Bartley bought into the league. I don't think he had, give, he had given our league the full attention that we felt it deserved because Donnie introduced him to it. He didn't know me from Adam, and it wasn't until week three or four when things were starting to be strong and – everything that we were saying was going to happen was happening. And he believed in the league that he really started putting his heart into it as well, to the point where he's now telling people, this is the best football Vegas has to offer outside of, outside of the established leagues. Like, right. obviously we're not, we're I not the NFL XFL. I can agree well, you know with you on that. You know what, D? I think that part of it too, and I've seen it in, you know, when we were in the spring compared to fall, I see a, um, not a change in Bartley at all. I think he's the same person no matter what, which any player is going to love because you don't want a coach that's hot and cold. But I think right. the biggest part about it is Bartley's got a lot of respect. And I think that a lot of his players respect the hell out of him and understand the fact of what he's trying to do and what he's bringing. So to say, and Packer, I agree with you, you know, players are buying in to what he's, he's serving up. And once right. you start serving stuff up like like he is, and he's showing them, you know, come on, man, you don't put up a, a fifty burger automatically, you know, and do right. it twice. So I mean, these guys are starting what he said, what he said, and I remember what he said at the end of last year. He goes, "You guys, you guys aren't going to be able to to score with me." And I kept saying, "Yeah, until I see it, I don't believe it." But now I'm starting to see it, and I'm starting to believe it, and you know. The fact of the matter is, man, you got you guys got some athletes on your squad. You got some guys that are that are down to play, and these guys are buying in wholeheartedly into what you guys are doing. And you could see it is not an individual effort; it's a team effort all the way through, right. from the first guy on the field to the last guy on the field. You guys are buying in, and it is something else to see. I think, and I'm I'm gonna go on record. And I know we're recording it, so I'll say it loud and I'll say it proud. You guys are going to give anybody you play against a run for their money. Facts. And I appreciate that, man. Like I really do. All right. Like, so, I, so sticking. I, I really, so, sorry, Pack. So, sticking with the year review, the pit bosses last season were able to get three wins, ended up in second place, ended up in the playoffs for for the West. Had a really, really good showing against the Aces, but could not pull it off and did not find themselves in the championship game. The uh, over overriding conversation about the season from everybody who's given grace to the pit bosses to why they didn't succeed was that they didn't have enough guys and what have you. They, right. Just so we're all on the same page, they had 13 guys that were registered and rostered going into the season and did not build from there. They only had the 13 guys throughout the season, whereas the four started with 11 and grew to 35 by the time the season was over. So right. that's kind of how things went. And as much as we want to say they didn't have the guys, well, 
I'm going to go on record and say they didn't have the guys because they didn't try to go get the guys. And, that, and that's where things finally landed. Uh-huh. Se- season ends up, force jumps out in front. Pit bosses give them a little bit of a run towards the middle of the season, but it was the forces division in, in Vegas for sure. The only question was going to be who was going to go represent the West in the playoffs. Was it going to be the force, the aces, or the vibe? Because those are the teams that kept piling up wins throughout the season. And the force with, as Packer says, the best roster in Vegas and some of the best guys in Vegas took that brand of football and style of play to the East Coast, dominated the Snow Tribe and their week, uh, their their wild card matchup. But when it came no. time to play a absolute juggernaut team that was constructed and had the aggression of the line of scrimmage that kind of looked like a souped-up version of the force and you know the way the people are saying the pit bosses look now right they they got put on their heels and ended up getting blown out 63 to 19 but yeah, not without having some game. respectable play so uh, i watched the game i'm not gonna lie like I, I wanted them to win it ain't no hate for them even though mac blocked me the other day because i was trolling him <laughs> like, there's no hate towards them, bro. Like, they got a good ass. Well, they had a good ass team. I don't know what they're gonna have at, uh, next season, but I believed in what they had going into that game last year. Like, I'm, I'm on the, I'm watching the live and stuff of the game last year. I'm seeing everybody talking out of their ass, and I'm like, boy, they made it. Like, y'all can't knock this team when they made it to that fucking game. Like, I respect them for that. Like, even though they took that L like they did, they didn't lay down either. No, as a matter of no, fact, no. they kept they kept fighting and actually started making some headway towards the end of the game once they started figuring some things out. Right. Look, I and I saw the game, too. I watched it. It was a difficult watch in the beginning. <clears throat> but right. like you said, D, about the mid about midpoint, that game, if, if they were to start that game again, the clock again from that point on, I think it would have been a different game. I don't think it would have been a blowout. Um, but I saw the force hesitant in that in that those four, first two quarters. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but they looked hesitant. I mean, I didn't see them playing relaxed football. I saw them playing, you know, tense football where they just weren't relaxed and ready to go. I don't know what that I feel was. Like they were it's a different beast out there, bro. Like they've been playing this shit for years. No, but and I get that. I get that, man. But but when you have when you have a team, you know, and, and this is where I go back to what you said about Bartley. When you have a team, you That's take right. on that um, personality of, of the coach. And if your coach is, is hard-nosed, if your coach is, is tough, you're going to be hard-nosed and tough. And I'm not saying that Mac isn't. Don't get me wrong. Uh, what I'm saying is, is you gotta you got to show that heart. And I see, I see y'all playing with heart when things are down. But I also see y'all playing loose when you when you can. So I mean that's mm-hmm. to me, that's the difference between the two teams right now. And I want, I really do, I wanna see a, a stacked force against the stacked pit bosses that you guys have now. I don't know if we'll see right. that come spring, but I wanna see that because I want to see how loose you guys play in that game. Because I think the team that plays, you know, without that tenseness is gonna win. And I also think that if we were to go or a team was was going to come out here to play us in the playoffs, 
it would be a different story because I, I also think yeah, that that traveling yeah, also does something to you as well. It does. Trust me. Look, I went, I be traveling all the time for football. I played in a national title game in Erie, Pennsylvania last year. All of that, like, it, it take a different toll on you. you. You're going into, basically, you're going into enemy territory. So anybody that's an athlete, bro, they're going to go into that game, and they're going to be a, somewhat a little nervous because y'all playing against the crowd, y'all playing against the fucking team, the refs, everything. Like, it, it's just something that you got to get together. Yeah, so, and that's all I can say about that. So to continue on with, with the recap, and Packer, if you can mute your background. Uh, yeah, I'm about continue to on with the re recap, the, uh, the force, although they ran roughshod through, through Vegas and avenged their one loss in L.A., when they got out to the bigger, badder, well-designed teams out east, they were not able to be competitive. And what they said to me as we turned around leaving, you'll never see that again. We were basically rolling off the couch and playing this game because we were that good and we saw how good we were. But we understand that it's going to require a, a level of preparation and strength and aggression that we did not bring with us to, to the East Coast for game two because game one was easy. Like, I don't think that I, I – mean, I say I don't think – I know they weren't ready for what an organized, strong, strong-willed team looked like from the East Coast. They could handle that out, out West with, with the constructed roster they had. They could handle the Snow Tribe with their constructed roster. But if they were going up against, against the guys who made the Final Four, that result was probably going to happen against any of those four teams based on last season. How they approach this upcoming season has been very different. I know there are some guys who were not going to play because they weren't sure about our style of play, who have jumped up and have joined forces with the force that are some of the rock stars of Las Vegas that didn't play last season at all. And I know at least three guys that are, I, I am excited to see them step on the field to join forces with the force and see what those three guys replacing the guys that went to the pit bosses or other places are going to look like and see if Anthony Wilkerson, the RTC ends up back on the force. And if so, what those final constructed rosters of, the pit bosses and force look like because now everyone's talking about that week one matchup if it's going to be pit bosses pit bosses versus force what that season that game and what everything's going to look like going into 2023 so 2022 ended the season with the force as the blue west division champion i don't think there'll ever be another blue west Wow. I think they'll just be the West now. So we'll see what that looks like. So the one and only Blue West division champion is the Las Vegas Force for 2022. Uh, the first team in A7FL history to travel outside of the East Coast to beat a East Coast team on an East Coast field was the Force. So now they have those two records in the books uh, and are looking to build on that going into spring of 23. So now that brings us to talking about the fall, talking about how we built the fall to recap where we're headed for, to get into the final portion of this recap show. So our fall season kicked off with Jamboree. A, I'm sorry? 
I said, sorry to cut you off. I, I was about to ask you a question before you jumped out there. Just oh, go for it. Go so you talking about the, the three dudes they added? You talking about Scotty McCorkle? I wasn't even talking about Scott, actually. Scott was injured in there uh, in the uh, tryout, so I wasn't even sure if he was going to play. Yeah, Scotty's my brother, so I'm, I'm trying to work on getting him to lead him dingleberries alone. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot well, of people I don't know me and Scotty go back years, bro. So when we got kicked out of the LVSL with our hooligans team. So, oh, that's funny. Yeah, so I met Scott for the very first time at the force tryout, and while he was running his 40, he came up and, and pulled something and had a little bit more of an injury than even the pull. Wasn't sure how he was going to recover from that. So I, he and I haven't really uh, talked about his future yet. But no, it wasn't. It's not him. It's uh, uh, Denzel Washington. Denzel uh, Washington. Uh, yep. Uh, and then, yes, sir. And then. Oh, yeah. I'm on his phone. Okay. And then. Uh, Max, I think his youngest son, and then oh, you talking about the skinny dude, the fast receivers. Yeah, yep. yeah, and then we're gonna see what they doing this week. And then there's uh, at least one UNLV former offensive lineman whose name I don't remember that I believe was squatting up with them, but a few other people were talking about joining there. But those guys are all playing for. The kryptonite this coming in two weeks so who knows what that's going to look like ultimately so i don't know i i know that that's the force look i i know that the force stopped and said we need to be better we need to do better we need to work harder and i can't wait to see what that looks like because the pit boss has said the same thing and the 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 change from last season to the fall for the pit bosses it, is it, on defense specifically is night and day like they were given up I don't know, 30 points a game last last spring to every team out West. And they haven't given up a total of 30 points between Jamboree and their first two weeks of football. So something has changed on the defensive side of the ball over there tremendously. And the defense is scoring as many points as the offense. It, it's fun to watch. It's a complete team and, and constructed the way teams out East are, constructed the way the force is out here, constructed the way the aces are out west and absolutely on paper and what we're seeing on the field a viable contender going into the spring now who knows what the roster is going to look like when the spring actually shows up but right now they, they look like a top team out west and a contender for the national championship and i think part of that has to do with bartley um figuring out what kind of team he needed to put together for this league in order for his team to be successful. And he's definitely figured it out on the defensive side of the ball, it seems. And he's starting to figure it out on the offensive side as well. So I think that's what made has made them more, more dangerous as he knows exactly what pieces he needs to bring. And he started to bring those pieces to form a well-rounded team that can go and compete no matter where it's at. All right. So agreed. And and we're seeing the results of him actually recruiting and doing everything that's required to, to compete as a head coach in a seven. And because he's invested himself into it, the way I feel like he needs to, the results of the field are absolutely showing. So I'm looking forward to a, to seeing how this fall season ends up seeing this new matchup of uh, kryptonite versus pit bosses, this upcoming 
uh, game. And, but what I wanted to get into was uh, now that we've got Packer on the show, uh, we don't have Mason and, and Trey yet, but I wanted to talk about the new podcast. So Packer, you are the representative of the show that has showed up for us this afternoon. And we're into our uh, 70 minute mark on, on our show. Tell us about our is it our view. I said our story yeah, last time because I'm out here in Hawaii. <laughs> so basically, look, I'm going to be honest with, with our podcast, bro. We just, we basically giving y'all a, a, a view from, we're giving y'all a view from our view, like from the players, you get what I'm saying? Instead of like giving y'all some like watered down shit from owners and coaches and stuff like that, we're going to give y'all the real and the raw. So that's basically all it is, man. And, and it's not just for the AF7, bro. Like we about to cover high school football, flag football, all of that. Like. Yeah, that's, we that's beautiful. I listened to the first episode. I listened to the first episode, and I, aside from the tech challenges you guys were having with the background noise and whatnot, the content was I'm fantastic. Sorry. So I'm uh, looking forward to what you guys bring to the table, and I'm looking forward to kind of vibing with you guys and playing off of you and hearing what you talk about and reacting to it on our show. Do you guys have a set uh, plan for when the shows are going to drop? Um, honestly, I'm trying to do them on like Saturdays because that's when most of us are off. Like, we always working and shit. So, well, I'm always working. So, basically, hold on. So, how many, how many shows have you guys recorded so far? Uh, just that one so far. Okay. And are you set to do one this Saturday or are you guys waiting until after the video? probably gonna wait till after the new year okay well uh we got daniel packer the uh what, what position are we gonna say for pit bosses now middle linebacker what are, what are you doing no i play corner bro you're playing corner so that's the that's going to be your natural position for for the season so corner from the pit bosses host of our view the new vegas centric football podcast or not necessarily just football but vegas sports podcast from the player's perspective. So uh, we're looking forward to reacting to that. Uh, Casey, I don't think you've heard the show. Chris, have you heard it yet? I have not, but I definitely want to hear it because uh, I know if Danny's doing, uh, if Mr. Packer's doing something, I want to listen. So, Pack, you tell me when right. it's coming down, and I will definitely be listening, man. I would like to hear it. All right. So, so, so far, the podcast is dropped on Facebook as like a Facebook recording. I'm not sure is Packers the intent to put it on the uh, podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Are you guys going to stick with Facebook exclusively? Um, honestly, I want to get a situation going with iTunes. You know, I could, I could, uh, I could do the, what's the name? Uh, I could set up a podcast through iTunes. All right, cool. Well, if you if you don't know how to do that already, uh, I would say probably Casey would know. But if not, definitely Matt Ryan would know because he's got ours and his on iTunes and Spotify right now. So uh, if if nothing else, they could probably give you that roadmap to get you there. For sure, for sure. Definitely going to tap in with him because I'm trying to do this thing right, man. Like, I love what we're coming up with, so I just need to make sure we got everything going right. 
like and keep up with, with good content, like you said. I love it. All right, so we only have a, a few minutes left uh, with our allotted time for the day. So I, I wanted to move on to uh, get Chris's opinion on spring, how things went, how you got involved and what your role was for the spring and then talk about the off season and then going into the fall. So let's start with the spring. Chris, when did you first learn about A7FL? Man, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think you and I had a conversation about it and I jumped online and took a look at it. I I had seen just like everybody else, you see the YouTube videos and dudes getting laid out. And I was like, that can't be the same thing. And sure enough, it was. So I started looking into it a little bit more um, because of our relationship and going back as far as we do. You know, you and I started talking and I said, look, I'll, I'll help you out however I can. Just let me know how. And I will tell you right now, it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made to come aboard because this is uh, this is an incredible, incredible league to be part of and to see all the stuff that's going on. It's it's very much an incredible thing. Now, as far as how the first spring went for me, we all had our ups and downs, but it was um, it was great to be a part of it, to see what was happening, to see these teams come in from California. Um, you know, Vibe and, and uh, the Aces were were a good were both good teams. Got a lot of good people playing on those two teams. And it was good to see those guys come up and, and um, hang out in Vegas. And I think they enjoyed it as well. Um, I thought that uh, just watching the games from the sidelines, the speed is different than what you see on TV, for sure. And it's just a, it's a different level of playing. So, I mean, after playing in the flag leagues for 20 years, um, seeing this is a little bit of a different, a little bit of change of pace. I wouldn't say the speed is that much greater than what we played with, but at the same time, it's different. It, that's all I could say. It's different. You have to see the play of the game to understand that. Yeah, for sure. Like one of the things that the three on one guys touched on was the lack of defensive pass rush that they've seen on the games that they've called on the Vegas side. Now, you and I and everybody on this call who's played football in Las Vegas knows that what they've seen on the broadcast is not typical of Las Vegas. It's just typical of those few teams that they've seen. What's typical of Vegas is an aggressive pass rush, but if guys don't need to ball out to win a game, they take breaks. And that's unfortunate because it, it has a bad reflection on what we bring to the table. And, you know, when guys start taking breaks, they get complacent. And then when it's time for them to turn it on, maybe they don't have that extra gear anymore because it's, it's sitting in relaxed mode too long. And I think that's what they're seeing. So I'm hoping and I'm going to bank on the fact that the force and pit bosses got you know a taste of getting punched in the mouth last, last year and went, yeah, I'm not letting that happen again. I, I don't like nobody makes me bleed my own blood and decided to get in the gym and get their shit together. And I'm, obviously the pit bosses are showing that on the field after, you know, averaging giving up 30 points a game last season and now giving up 30 total over the course of three games, if that. They figured some things out. Will the force do the same thing? So, Chris, continuing with you, uh, the off season with all the stuff we did between 
you know, you, you're, you're finishing up the on-field for the spring and then all the off-season chatter leading, leading to the fall. What was that like for you? Um, Eye-opening, for one. I mean, to understand and to see what's going on behind the scenes of A7FL is a little bit different than what people would imagine. Um, I mean, look, we don't always get to see behind the curtain at the NFL. And we, you know, to see behind the curtain of the A7FL sure is a, a eye-opening uh, situation, to say the least. And to hear about the uh, the changes that come so fast, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, you know, one minute, it's like, okay, we're hoping to get this, the next minute, it's happening. So it's one of those things you, you got to stay on your toes for, you got to be ready for. Um, you know, I don't want to knock the guys by saying, oh, it's kind of like when we're playing, but it is. You you have to stay on your toes. You don't know when that blindside block is coming. You don't know what's going to be thrown at you next. So it's a matter of being able to roll with the punches and make sure that you're there to take care of businesses, you know, whenever you can. So, you know, um, again, I'll say it on here without any hesitation. I'm glad to be part of it. I'm glad you got me involved and I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, thank you for that. I want, also wanted to touch on your feeling you're stepping into the commissioner role and what you're doing for our league right now. Can you talk about your responsibilities from spring to fall and how they've changed and what you're doing for us? Yeah, I think that uh, overall, um, being down on the field and talking to the players, understanding their needs, um, understanding the situations, the coaches, uh, the shortcomings that we, we do see from time to time with, with um, not play calling, I was going to say play calling on my bad, it's with, with refereeing and it's not really uh, the shortcomings of the refs. It's just understanding the rules and, you know, having the refs kind of making that we, we deal with some refs that, that uh, call college um, and high school and our rules are different. So it's just a matter of making sure that they understand situations and the differences in those rules, because every once in a while they'll, they'll, you know, have something come up and it's like, okay, are we college rule or are we high school rule? Oh, eight, no, total different A7FL. we got to go with the total different rule. So it's interesting to see that stuff. Um, one of the things too, that I want to uh, kind of sparehead that will come up in the off season is getting together with some of the other commissioners throughout the, uh, the league and talking to them and about our sport. How can we make it better? And how can we as commissioners um, be a bigger point of contact and leaders for our divisions to really change uh, some of the things that we see that need to be changed within the league. So, I mean, it's stuff like that, that I'm definitely going to be spending a lot of time this off season doing and, you know, playing it into this um, kind of what's going on and, and how we're moving forward uh, for this, for the rest of this season will just be to make sure that we do exactly what, what I'm saying, you know, make sure that we're on top of every call and make sure that uh, the coaches and the players are getting heard. Right on. All right. So uh, because I'd like to get back to my vacation, I'm going to start to wind this thing down. So uh, Chris, continue with you. Uh, but actually, before we go, I'm going to make a quick announcement and tell you guys that we're going to talk about this announcement on the next show. So next Wednesday, uh, we will talk about this. So it gives you something to think about. We have decided and we have this move forward with pulling trigger 
to put on a $10,000 cash tournament the same weekend as our championship game that will be housed indoors at Anderson Automotive Arena in Bullhead City, Arizona. A 16-team field playing A7-style football with the same setup and rules that we did for the BMF tournament. So it'll be 20-minute games, running clock, uh, and executing that whole thing until the championship game, which will be two 20-minute halves of the same thing and all likely being televised on Channel 5.2, Cox 125 with our current broadcast partner, and unless we get it sold off to a bigger fish that wants to pay us a bunch of money to have to host our, our event during Pro Bowl weekend, which is also taking place in Las Vegas. So with that, that's the big bomb announcement. Chris, what do you have for us uh, to wrap up the show? Well, damn, you, you drop a bomb like that and just want me to throw something in to wrap up the show? Come on, man. Yeah, well, remember, we're, wow. talk, we're talking about that next week. Just giving you something to think about. Yeah, okay, all right, all right. I'll, I'll just I'll cut it off by saying this. I've said it time and time again, and it's probably going to become my quote of the century, which is iron sharpens iron. And so when we get back and we're going full bore um, in two weeks, I can't wait to see these games. I think that some of these guys are putting some players together uh, and getting some practice in. So that way they're, they're ready to go. So all I can say after that is get your popcorn ready. Thank you, Chris. Coach Packer. <laughs> what do you got for us? Honestly, man, I'm just ready to get back playing, dog. Like, I ain't had nothing to do on Sundays since fucking break. So it's like, it's, it's <laughs> irritating. All right, bro. Now there's like, a man that's ready to play. Like, I literally, I ain't had an off day in two damn weeks down there. So it's like, I'm ready to play, man. Well, all right, we yeah, got you. Really January eighth, January eighth, uh, pit bosses versus versus uh, kryptonite. The game we've all been waiting for. Right, uh, man. It's so much built up bullshit behind that game, bro. Like all because of Casey. I can say if it, it looked like but Tom wanted to steal his car or some shit. Like man, <laughs> um, set his car for. I'm like, bro. Now y'all done got motherfuckers talking, running back and forth, like being messy and shit, going to Knox, talking about, yeah, bro got a problem with you, this, that, and the third. I don't even know this dude. Like, Knox, my brother, you feel me? So I talk to Knox all the time, well, not all the time no more, but I talk to him, you feel me? Uh, like, I told him, like, brother, it, it ain't no problems. Like, he don't even know you. Like, it's all love, yeah. bro. We just trying to play football. Like, that's it. Yeah, Packer, what's interesting is I have no idea what you're talking about. So <laughs> whatever additional conversation is being had, I, no, we we know, I know nothing about what you're talking about. When the Kryptonite was playing and not scored? No, because I was uh, running my side of the broadcast, which was doing the scoring table. Casey, what, what was said? My bad. I don't think it was me that said it. I actually think that was Corey that might have said that. It might have been Corey, but y'all sound alike right now, but I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so it, whatever it is. Said, uh, we were locked in. We were locked in our game, and we were just watching. 
and Knox ended up scoring and walked in front of us or whatever. And I was like, I think I was actually talking to Knox. And Tone just was looking. He had a mask on, so you can't really see his face. But people made it bigger than what it really was. So this, is a, this game going to be have a little bit more extra hype to it. I'm already knowing to Knox competitive. And my brother's a dog. But oh, yeah, Matt, Matt referred. Okay, yeah, Matt referred to a, a Knox mean mugging the pit bosses on the in the back of the end zone after he scored the touchdown because he just kind of he dropped the ball and gave them all the stairs <laughs> kind of turned around. No, he had yeah, yeah. a mask on too. Yeah, and I was talking to him. Like, I, I remember this shit. I was talking to Knox. Like, I was happy to see my bro playing. You feel me? Like, seeing that they got a lot of guys from the flag field on the cut tonight, like, that was major to me. Uh, well, it wasn't no problems, but you know, other people they they like to put their two cents and stuff. So it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, that, that commentary is a, is a butterfly effect for sure. Every time somebody yeah. says one thing, it sets off a chain reaction of responses and commentary that really builds. And it's a, honestly, it's a testament to what we built as a league. Some of it well, not as not as good as I'd like it to be, but at least everybody is locked in, paying attention, and having a conversation around it. Hopefully, we can get everybody straightened out to realize that this is about football, nothing more than football and us coming together as a football community and having some right. good opportunities to put good games on tape, to entertain the fans, and to potentially get everybody paid. That's, I mean, that's ultimately what we, we say we're about, and that's absolutely what I'm about, and I just hope that everybody else sees that and is trying to do the same. All right. Hey. Also, tell Rob stop giving my damn stats away. <laughs> uh, he gave my penalty and my damn tackle away. Like, come on, bro. I'll, I'll make a note. I'll be sure to talk to him about that next time we got him on the line. <laughs> hey, but All right, Packer, one thing you got to do is talk to your boy and tell him not to jump in front of that pick again. Man. <laughs> I knew I'd get him going with that one. <laughs> That shit. It's crazy. You know Chris was sitting there on the sideline when it happened, right? Right. I'm like, bro, if you're going to jump in front of my pick, catch the fucking ball, bro. Right. right? Like, Packer's, got on, his hands up. Packer's got his hands up, waiting for the ball to come into his hands. Dude jump in front of him, drop the pass. All he did was look down at the ball and look at me, and I just was sitting over on the sideline shaking my head. Yep, I got, got him a PBU. Do, yep. Keep this out, though. Derek, I had dude boxed out like I was playing basketball. He yep. wasn't getting that pick. And I'm like, bro, you just threw away my pick, bro. <laughs> like a lot of people don't know our defense. We got some little side bets on. Like we we trying to figure this out. Like all our DBs, we got. I ain't gonna tell you what the bet is for because then it's not for this podcast. But we said whoever yeah. gets the most picks throughout the season, we all gotta pitch in and buy something for them. That's what's up. Like, I like it. And if you know me, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar. <laughs> Very familiar. <laughs> Very familiar. I'm, I'm tight about that shit, bro. Like, me and Tone, we, I'm almost, I think Tone got one pick right now. If I'm not mistaken, I think me and Tone is tied up. But Justin Shep, bro, he's whooping our ass right now in picks. Look, and a, another former Las Vegas Lion and Justin Shep. So uh, whatever no, it is that you guys are using. We ain't going to put that on here. Don't put that <laughs> yeah, on here. 
Well, look, that's that's where I met him, and he and I were riding games <laughs> together. So J- Justin Shep's my boy. Anyway, no, so that, hell yeah. So whatever it is you guys are using to motivate yourselves on defense is obviously working. So keep that up. Maybe you want to raise the stakes against the against the kryptonite next two weeks, or maybe you're already doing it. So whatever it is, it's a joy to watch. I I really appreciate you coming on the podcast again, Dan, uh, Daniel. You've been an absolute joy to be around. I love what you're doing for Las Vegas. I love what you're doing for football. I'm so happy to be partnering with you on some of this stuff. So keep up the good work. And hey, Chris, uh, you want a, a coaching job? What's there you up? go. <laughs> you want a coaching job? Come get down with me and Look, Derek and my uh, my staff. Yeah, so that's real, Chris. I'll, I'll talk to you about it offline because I think that you, in a coaching position for. Uh, Dan- Daniel's team, the Sin City Rebels, would be hey. a brilliant move on all of our part. Uh, but hey, let's put this we'll out t- there. We're going to be having a tryout, too, in the beginning of January, well, the middle of January and another one in February. So if any of you dudes out of state want to uh, get down with some real dudes, play some real football, holler at me. You know, my yeah, get, those, get those dates and locations mm-hmm. to me so we can advertise them on behalf of the league as well. Right. So, I wouldn't be a part of the coach. Did you hear that? We're going to do something crazy. Yeah, I heard him. Yeah, I'm going to hold him to okay. that. All right. I'm good with that. I'm going to get a little coaching uh, group chat put together. I'm going to add you to it, Chris. Do it. We're going to do something major. Oh, and we're playing in a – it's a league. They put two leagues together, right? The, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Rocky Mountain League that uh, the Zion Lions used to run. Uh, I can't remember. I know they call it the Revolution too, but they've been running in Utah for a few years now. So we we trying to put something together in that. So we got three away games: one in Salt Lake and one in Denver. I don't know where the third one's gonna be at, but we plan to make right on. So Rocky Mountain League, Sin City Rebels come in twenty twenty three. It's not the Rocky Mountain League though, because oh. they they. They put Utah and Denver's league together. I think it's the Mountain West or something like that. Yeah, but I think that's what we're you're going to for. Okay. Definitely. But okay. I had a, a great time talking to you fellas, man. And I look forward to talking to y'all some more and bringing y'all on our podcast, man. Yeah, I'm ready when you are. So, Casey, what do you got to do take us out? Man, I, I'm excited for the games. I'm, I'm ready to get back to broadcasting. I think. Again, I think the Kryptonite and the Pit Bosses game is going to be the game of the week, but we'll get into that next week on next week's podcast before the games actually happen. Um, other than that, I really don't have nothing to do. I've got some things in the background working. I think me and Deepak are going to be talking about some things as well um, in the background, so there might be some things going on with that as well. So, Definitely. Cool. I'll talk to you guys later. i got to get off and go to work now. All right, Pac, have a good night, man. All right, Casey, take us out. All right. And for me, I am Casey Cox. He's Double D, Derek Duncan, Minor League Football Hall of Famer, and Chris Vera, the commissioner of Nevada. Until next time, we will see you guys on the other side of the ball. Right on, guys. Great show. Casey, that was interesting with us doing all this without uh, having any – 